Welcome to the 106th episode of the JDO Show. I'm your host, J. David Osborne, and today on the show we have Rachel Bell. Her new album is called Coping. That is a motorcycle that is outside because I'm in Seoul and everybody has uh, scooters out here. You can find all of her info in the show notes. She's one of my favorite people to talk to and one of my favorite writers. Once again, this is the 106th episode of the JDO Show featuring Rachel Bell. Thank you. Could he click? All right, cool. So we're on record. On on the record. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I can't find my vape right now, so I'm like trying to. Now I found it. Okay, we can start. Okay, cool. No, it's okay. I um, I've been fighting with nicotine and cigarettes for the past like year, basically. So I quit for like six months, and then. I started again because my whole family smokes and my sister got married. So I'm at the wedding and I'm like, oh, just like, I'll just have a little puff. It'll be cool. And then I was totally back into it. And then I quit again for like two months. And now I'm like, it's the same thing. I went to a reading in Austin and people were smoking. And I was like, can I get one? And they gave me one. And now I have a, I went into a gas station and they were like, camels are on sale for $3. And I was like, oh. And I was like, I can't put, I can't pass up a steal. So, man, I haven't, I haven't had a cigarette in like five and a half months. And last week, I found a pack of Camel Blues in a cab, and I threw it away. Ooh, that's good. So, because so the vape is really working then. Yeah, I love the vape. It's super futuristic looking. Um, ladies love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's my th- yeah. I need to switch over to vape too, so that I can be cool. <laughs> <laughs> do you do like different flavors and shit? No, I I just like the tobacco flavor, and I tried really hard when I was in France. I like took a bunch of videos and pictures of me using the vape, like in front of like the Sacre Coeur and like at the Louvre and stuff. And I tagged the company, and I kept trying to get them to like sponsor me, but they wouldn't do it. <laughs> That's a good idea, though. I mean, because you do have a real, like... I mean, you, you, you're you a professional meme maker now, right? Yes, I am a professional meme maker now. Can, can you tell me about how that came about and what you do? Okay, so uh, when I first moved to New York in April, I just took, like, the first job I got offered, which was at a hair salon. Their receptionist. And um, I got, like, it sucked. People were mostly nice, but I was just, like, sweeping up rich people's hair. And then, like, every once in a while, someone would, like, yell at me because their hair cost three times what I made in one day. And, like, it was, like... And so maybe, like, five months into that, I kind of got comfortable. And one of the stylists, we were smoking outside, and she was, like, didn't you, like, move to New York to have a career? Like, you're a little too smart for this to be your, like trajectory i know you don't give a shit about hair like you should do something else and i was like yeah you're right so i applied to 51 jobs in three days and yeah i had a couple interviews and i actually got um two offers for social media positions on the same day and i took the more appealing one because i really like vibed with the the like CEO and the CTO and it seemed like a lot of fun. So 
I've been doing that since September-ish. Company is called Flip. It's for finding subletters, and uh, I run their all their social channels, and then I write content for their website. Is there ever pressure with that? Because it feels to me like making memes would be super fun. And so, is the environment one where you, you're just like, how, how does like the creative process behind making those memes work? Does it just sort of like come to you randomly, or what? So it's like I have to be con- like consume memes pretty consistently since like memes are a a very like momentary thing like something will be a meme for like a, a day and a half and then it's not on trend anymore. So I follow a lot of meme accounts but also like my favorite memes that I end up making are ones where like I just see a random ass image on the internet with like no context and I love the picture so much that I'm like how can I make this a meme? Like I saw this picture of a golden retriever like with his mouth open and someone's spraying making a rainbow and it's really beautiful and I was like I just have to make sure more people see this how can I make this a meme about it and so I made the caption when your landlord dies (laughs) 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 that's awesome recently my boss was like okay we gotta we gotta pull it back with the landlord hating memes like we've got to <laughs> tone yeah. that down a little bit that's funny that, no that's funny so basically yeah it's just you kind of see an image and it's more about like it's kind of interesting because it's utilizing that internet share tendency but you've just managed to turn that into a whole job which is fucking cool like i yeah, share i share memes so all the time but nobody gives a shit you know what i mean but i've, I've also yeah. like what it's so do you go to like Reddit or where, where is the prime spot for like the original content to, to utilize? Um, I like sometimes I'll think of an idea and then I just like look for a stock photo, but I have certain like places I look specifically like um, there's a Facebook page called Cursed Images that has a lot of good photos without context. Um, then there's like another Facebook page called Science Photo Library that has like zoomed in like uh, microscope video and pictures of like crazy molecule, I don't know, whatever. Crazy shit. And that can be funny to add captions to. Um, all kinds of stuff. Sometimes I'll like meme a photo one of my friends posts just because I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. So has that affected your writing at all? Or are you still getting that done? Yeah, I'm like definitely not writing as much as I was. Um, but I'm still doing it. I still try to write every day. I just, like, I don't know. I feel like the whole time I was living in Chicago, writing was my thing. Like, I wasn't, I didn't really have a normalized job. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of reading, selling books, and speaking at colleges and stuff. Um, and I wanted to have a different career. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, working on a novel, um, still writing poetry and short fiction, but definitely, like, just feeling so fulfilled by and in like engaged with my career now that I'm not pursuing the writing as much as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was just, was it, did you get to a point of frustration with it or did it just kind of tr- smoothly transition? I mean, like when I moved to New York, I was, I did it cause I was tired of being able to subsist. Like in Chicago, I could only do the writing thing and like live off of that, which for some people is like, the dream and it was cool but 
I wanted to kind of live in a place that was so insanely expensive that I was like forced to be on my grind and also be around people who were in that same situation and mindset. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't, there was no feasible way for me to continue at the rate that I was at with my writing career and pay rent and eat and live in New York. So I had yeah. to kind of switch it up. Yeah, no, that's smart. I think that you kind of found the, the, the thing that it takes some people a really long time how to learn, including myself, uh, which is that, yeah, you can't really, there's no real way to make it work unless you already have money. So I guess my, yeah. like the way that I did it, I just moved out to the desert. So I was like, okay, I can write out here yeah. and like exist. Cause you know, I mean like out here, like my rent is like $300 every month, you know? So I don't really have to, as long as I can come up with after bills and stuff, if I can come up with like 600 bucks, like I'm cool. So I just do a little freelancing and I can make writing work that way. But in New York, yeah, you have to do you got to do something because like that place is fucking nuts. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just like, and I like basically got, I mean, I'd done some social work and like, you know, freelance writing and stuff, but most of my experience with social media management was for my personal brand, and like marketing my own writing. And I just straight up put that on my resume because it's something I've put years and years into. And during the interview process, they like looked at all my tweets and they were like, these are funny. Like, we like you come in for an interview. And I was like, cool. So all those times that my parents said that my oversharing on the internet was going to keep me from getting a real job, they were actually. <laughs> <laughs> those, those are always fun conversations with your family. Like, with my family, when I try to tell them like, hey, I'm actually doing the thing that I'm that I wanted to do. There's still like that weird disconnect where I, I don't think they quite understand what that thing is, uh, and I'm yeah. not even I'm not even really sure that I know what it is. So it's one of those things where it's like, see, mom and dad, I told you, and they were like, yeah, great. I mean, I don't get it, but you know, you seem yeah. you seem all right. But I wanted to also talk to you because it seemed like you had a really cool time in France. So what was what was that about? <clears throat> oh, I would love to talk about France. Um... I went like a year and a half ago to do a reading with this organization called Paris Lit Up that does like uh, a lot there every Thursday night at the same bar they have a reading um, that has like an open mic and a featured reader. So I went a year and a half ago to do that. And then um, I like had a, a crush on a boy who lived in Paris. So I asked if they would have me come back again to do another reading. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, kind of as an excuse to hang out with him. So I went and did that, and I'm actually going back to Paris for a month. I leave on Monday night, How and I'm that? working remote. Oh, I was going to say, okay, so your job is cool with it. As long as you bring the, the hot, mean content, they don't care where you are. Yeah, as long as I stay productive while I'm there and not distracted by French hottie. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can find a balance. Yeah, work-life balance is you know, just, something I'm really good. <laughs> you just have to partition the time out correctly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, so when you were there, uh, did, what, was it just the one reading or was it kind of like a tour situation or what? Yeah, I just did the one reading. I just kind of honestly really wanted an excuse to be in Paris to like hang out with a particular person. And 
Um, it was fun. I spent two weeks there and uh, got a tattoo and went all over the place. I walked like 10 miles a day. It was really great. I really like it there. There's a, uh, that reminds me of Adam Sandler. You know how uh, I think Adam Sandler said once in an interview that he only does movies if he can also like take a vacation at the same time, which is why all of his movies yeah. always take place in Hawaii and shit. And he's always wearing just like a fucking like flower shirt and, you know, sandals and shit because he has like made it so that his job can be, you know, being on vacation permanently and being paid for it. So I like that you did that also with France. Yeah, that's that's the move. Like, um, the uh, before I moved to New York, I was always trying to get readings at Sarah Lawrence College because, like, I just wanted to hang out in New York for a week. You know, yeah. so I I have I've been very guilty of planning tours around people I want to hang out with and like going to their cities. Yeah, and I mean that's better because otherwise it's like what what do you even really doing i mean have you seen any like kind of what i mean is from my experience is that i don't like sell a whole bunch of stuff when i do readings and stuff i don't know if you do um probably it's this is probably going to be one of those embarrassing things where you're like i mean yeah dude i mean i sell books all the time (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so i mean like unless you're enjoying the actual trip there doesn't seem to be much of a point in doing it right yeah, I mean, my last tour was, like, out of control. It was crazy. Uh, it was me and my friend Lily, and she was playing her, like, solo music set. She plays under the name Blanket. Um, and and me, and we were just kind of doing, like, the southern coast of America. And uh, I had to go to the ER twice in two different cities because I had an abscess on my tonsil, but we, like, just continued tour anyway. Uh, Jesus. It was crazy. It was crazy. Because, like, I was supposed to help drive the van, you know, but the first ER was like, wow, that looks pretty bad. We're going to give you liquid hydrocodone. And I was like, I guess I'm not driving the van. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is, so what happens when you have an abscess on your tonsil? Is that, like, pus coming out and stuff? I would actually love to talk about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> February. So last February. So um, I, like... I had a really sore throat. My voice was super distorted, which sucked because I was doing readings. And, like, the whole side of my face was just hard. Ugh. Like, just hard. And uh, at the first ER in Blacksburg, Virginia, said that it was really bad strep. And then the second ER was like, nope, you have an abscess on your tonsil. We need to put a needle in the back of your mouth and suck all the stuff out of it. Woo! So they did that. And I, like, have all these... <laughs> My friend Lily was, like, such a champ. She was, like, in the ER texting my mom updates. And, like, she took photos of me, like, while they're, like, doing the puncture and oh. suction. And, like, I have a picture of the syringe of, like, what they took out of there. Um, and the end result was a month later I had to get my tonsils taken out completely. They were basically, like, if you want this to never happen again, you just got to get them removed. So I did. Well, do you know why that happens? I have no idea, but I, I was, like, very prone to strep throat prior to getting my tonsils out. Like, I would get it several times a year, and I haven't gotten it since. Um, Who yeah, the fuck so, is honking? What the fuck are they outside doing? Outside your... God damn, it's, so, Fri- it's Friday, and everybody's just fucking amped? Like, they're just like, woo! 
I was driving today and I was in my neighborhood and there was this guy who was driving behind me and I was going the speed limit and he was just like on my ass. He was in a sports car. And then eventually he literally just whipped around me. And so like I flipped him off and then he like stopped his car and like he flipped me off and we were just going like, we were just yelling fuck you at each other. Like, but neither one wanted to get out of the car because like not really a fighter. I don't think he was either. We were both just really mad. And I was like, why Why are people like this, man? Why are in the air? It's Friday. Hold on one second. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to see who's honking. I'm going to tell him to shut up. <laughs> sorry. I took care of it. You really handled. Yeah, it's some jackass. Like it. It's some jackass out there doing like that '80s movie thing, where I guess he's picking someone up and he doesn't want to get out of the car, so he's just honking for them to come out. And I'm like, "What are you doing?" Oh, just people have cell phones now. You don't have to do that. Yeah, sorry. That's good. That that was that was some. Uh... Oh my god. Oh my god. It's still going on. Oh. <sighs> Okay, you know what? I'm gonna calm down. I've had I've had nicotine. Nicotine is in my system. I'm cool. Um, so when you were in France, uh, was there anything like crazy awesome that happened while you were there, or was it was it like tour stuff, or what, or like tourist stuff, or what? Um, what crazy awesome stuff happened? I well, there was like this. Um, boy that I had been talking to on the internet since like 2015 and we met for the first time and that was really cool um so I was really stoked on that and we went to uh this like outdoor market where everyone just sells fake designer clothes like fake Canada goose jackets fake Balenciaga sneakers and stuff like it was crazy um I mostly just had a really good time, like, wandering around. I walked everywhere. I took the train, like, three times in two weeks because everything was new to me, so it didn't matter how far I had to walk. Everything was exciting. Yeah, France is uh, super cool. I also kind of felt, like, super... I became, like, really, really enamored with France while I was there, and I kind of just, like, wanted to move. I wasn't really in Paris, though. I was in, like, the south of France, which is a little different, I guess crazy thing did happen you just reminded me by saying the south of france which was um my friend cola oh i shouldn't say his name my, no i should my friend cola uh who i had met the last time i was in paris was like let's spend the weekend in marseille together and i was like oh okay, cool that sounds fun this is like three months before i get there he's planning this and he's like we can go see psg play marseille in soccer and i was like dope okay and he like bought the tickets and was like you can just pay on me later for them and then he like booked the train down to marseille for me since i couldn't read the french um so i like took the train down to marseille on a friday we get there and we rent a moped and we ride it around and we like eat dinner by the water in marseille and then we go to a club and we go to a bar and 
at the club, I was kind of like, man, I sort of wish I was on MDMA. And then someone goes up and was like, goes up to us and is like, do you guys want any chemicals? And I was like, absolutely. And so I, I bought some ecstasy from this guy and then I'm like about to take it. Like I have it in my hand. My hand's like two inches from my mouth. Yeah. And Cola like puts his, puts his hand on me and is like, hey, wait, I need to tell you something. And I was like, what? And he was like, I really thought that I was going to like feel something for you on this trip. And it's just not happening. What? <laughs> First of all, let me take the ecstasy before you tell me that. Second of all, uh, so many things. Like so, so I was like, okay, cool. And I was kind of drunk, so I got really mad. And I made him take me back to the place we were staying. And then uh, I was like, you can sleep on the couch. And then I cried a little bit, and I was trying to figure out how to get back to Paris the next morning, but again, I couldn't read the French website for the train tickets, so I had to, like, go to the couch and be like, I'm so mad at you, but I need you to buy me a train ticket back to Paris for the morning. No, were you, were you mad that he, like, were you mad at what he said, or just that he said anything at all? It was just like... It was just really bad communication and like why are you trying to plan this whole weekend with me and have these expectations and like yeah, so I just I just got on the train at seven AM the next morning and went back to Paris and like never paid him for the train ticket down there and I told him he could figure out someone else to go to the soccer game with him. Damn uh, yeah. Damn. He's gonna have to take his mom to the soccer game now. He ended up taking like the eight year old girl who uh his mom's friend or something whose house we were staying at and i guess they had a great time but i don't really care damn so wait so how did you know this person in the first place we like met on okcupid when i was in paris like a year and a half ago and we had like a good time and went out a couple times and then i wasn't really expecting to like see him again but then when he wanted to like plan this weekend together i was like oh okay that sounds fun i've never been to marseille mm. it was just really weird. Oh, that's so weird. And then, yeah. um, did, wait, did you end up did you end up taking the ecstasy or not? I took the ecstasy later. I saved it. <laughs> For it when was, you were happy. I was like, I'm not gonna waste this on this dude. It was uh it was shaped like the Skype logo. It was a blue pressed pill shaped like the Skype logo. Whoa, that's weird. I've been seeing a lot of synchronicities lately. Like I'll I don't know, you know, I'll hear like a little snippet of a song and then like a few hours later, I'll see those exact words like written on a wall somewhere. So it's almost like, yeah. like it's like once you get in touch with that kind of stuff, it's almost like the universe starts talking to you in a weird way. So I feel like I'm being spoken to. I feel like Jesus is speaking directly through me. No, not really. But man, I got I got a uh, I got Brahmin with you know Zachary German. I know that name. Hold on, let me see if I can place that name. Where is he from? He's a right. Uh, he lives in New York. Um, he's like old world outlet generation, like Moo um, Moo House type shit. Um, but I got ramen with him last night, and we were talking about a friend of ours. And he was like, you know, his his girlfriend is like a Christian. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, I don't know if I could date a Christian. And I was like, yeah, man, me neither. But inside I was kind of like, I don't know. I can't believe in God. <laughs> no, I want. Like, 
I would hundred percent do. Yeah, like I think that that shit is like. To, I feel like for a really long time because when I when I was like twelve or thirteen, I, at that point I was going to church a lot because I was growing up in Oklahoma, and you know they have like Baptists. We went to a Baptist church, and I was just like fucking over it. Fucking started listening to corn, and I was like, I don't even need this shit, you know. Like I got metal, whatever. And then as time went on, like I went into college, I started looking for books and things like that to sort of justify the way that I felt when I was a little kid, which is kind of an interesting thing. Like you sort of, 18 is not really an adult, but you know, you start to grow and it's like you're constantly trying to um, justify things you believed when you were a child. Yeah, like expert opinions that match up with things that you came up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, so there is no God, blah, blah, blah. So I'd read like Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and all this kind of shit. All this stuff now that kind of really makes me cringe. And then just over time, like that just sort of didn't really work for me anymore. And I like, I couldn't, it made me feel like goofy and stupid because I feel like in our, especially in like our writer circles and stuff like that, it makes me feel really goofy and stupid to be like, I 100%, I don't just believe in like God, I believe in like, like spirits, you know what I mean? Um, especially spirits of place. And, but then I was just like, that's just what, it immediately clicked. You know what I mean? Like it felt right at that point. Yeah. Like, I think we kind of had similar journeys because like my dad is a pastor. So I grew up going to church like sometimes four times a week, like, you know, a bunch. And I got pretty disenchanted with it and i was like you know started going to punk shows and no gods no managers stuff like that mm. and <laughs> uh, yeah. then i don't i don't know sometime in like the past like two years it's so corny it's like really super corny but mm-hmm. the thing that made me start thinking like maybe there is a higher power is like the fact that my best friend and I are alive at the same time and know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think, like, he's so awesome and cool and, like, we're perfect people to be best friends. And, like, the fact that we occurred at the same time and met is just, like, magical to me. And it makes me feel like it can't be an accident. Yeah, I think that also whenever you feel something like that, it's funny that, you know, you had mentioned me and Rios, like, you know, the whole 11-year thing. Uh, and then you and your friend, I think that what stuff like that kind of signifies is that you, you guys probably knew each other before you were in these particular bodies, right? Like, and it kind of carried on. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, yeah, no. So, I mean, I feel like then it really, like, for me, it really took hold when my grandma passed away because I was, I was super close to her and I was just, all of a sudden I would be places and... I would start to to see her, you know what I mean? Really, really quick, but I would just see her. And it it was almost, it was like real, you know? Like she'd be just sitting in a chair and then not there. Okay, this is fucking weird. And then um, I started to, like one night I had this this thing where I was sitting in bed and I had this like really strong feeling. So I went out into the backyard and I had this weird almost vision and there were these creatures with owl heads and they had this geodesic dome right that was supposed to be my grandmother's soul and they were placing it into this receptacle where it was going to get launched back out into uh reality as a different person so like she was being reincarnated or whatever that was like the last time i guess i got to really see her but i got this little 
don't know if you can see it. The light. But that's oh, like cool. the, that's the little dome thing. So. But yeah, so after that I was just like, okay, shit is real and I can either mess with it or not and I just I mess with it, so I kind of like I had a friend pass away uh, in the fall, and um, like two days after it happened, I had a dream that he was washing my face, and it was like so comforting and nice. And I hadn't seen him since like March, but like I woke up and I was like, man, either my brain is like very powerful and needed that to comfort itself, or like that was that happened for a reason i don't know like mm-hmm. one or the it was very important in my like grieving his death so i would rather just assume that like somebody was like giving me a shout out and trying to help me through yeah well and it's also you know i so at a certain point i feel like it's remember how we were talking about you know I started listening to corn and then i started trying to read sam harris and justify the the ideas that i had justifying materialism and the it's all in your head thing to me is crazier than the thought that it might actually be a real mystical experience you know what i mean yeah it's like yeah it's like oh well you see what happens is your brain does this and it you know because of this feeling then you make these chemicals in your brain and it's just like that to me seems like a way more uh far out there idea than the thing that human beings have probably believed for the past 40,000 years. You know, we just now started believing this shit too. A hundred years ago, we're like, we have it figured yeah. out. We know now. And it's like, all right, well, okay. Yeah, I agree. Wow, it got, it got, it got deep. <laughs> we got real deep. <laughs> got real deep, bro. <laughs> when, when I was thinking about doing this, I was like making a mental list of stuff I could talk about since I haven't like really been doing that much writing recently. And, um, one topic that I thought of discussing with you is how like two months ago I decided I was going to go off my behavioral medication for the first time in the last two years. Oh dude. Yeah. Totally. Tell me that. Um, uh, so I was like, I was taking Lamictal and Abilify for bipolar and generalized anxiety. And when I moved to New York, I started seeing a new shrink. And he, like, really sucked and only made 15-minute appointments, which I'd never had a psychiatrist only spend 15 minutes with me. Um, but, yeah, he, like, you know, wrote subscriptions, so I didn't really worry about it. And then I decided I wanted to go off them and, um, like, safely taper down my dosage over a month. And um, for that month, I felt like a psychopath. Like, I, and it was scary because the whole time I was like, this is either side effects of going off the medication or this is just what I'm like, not on meds. And I will find out in a month. (laughs) And I like, probably one of the worst side effects that I experienced during that month was just not being able to have an orgasm no matter how hard I tried. Oh, I saw, I saw a tweet like that today. Yeah. Yeah, there was one time I like mass. Usually, if I'm like masturbating, it takes like three minutes and I can be done. But I tried for like 25 minutes and I just gave up and started crying. <laughs> oh my god! I literally called the poem seeing and I was like, I think I'm broken. <laughs> Damn. 
Well, that's kind of, I mean, that is, uh, you know, it's it's sort of funny to think about in retrospect, but that's that's a little alarming, you know, because that's just shit not working. Yeah, I was just like, and, and I had to wait until the end of my time coming off the meds to figure out whether it was a symptom of not, of going off the meds or whether it was just, I can't come if I'm not on this medication. Right. So I was like, this could be how I am now. <laughs> right. So it was like the first one time you popped one off, you were just like, yes. Yeah, I've just like been obsessed with orgasm since then. Like, I pretty much like won't re- <laughs> like. It's like it totally, it was, it changed the way that I view sex, at least temporarily. It has since then because like, I don't, I, you know, I'll, like, have casual sex, but, like, since then, it doesn't matter if, like, how hot you are and you're, like, talking to me at the bar. Like, just because you're really sexy does not mean that you're going to make me come. So, like, I'm not going to take a chance on a on a rando. Like, I don't want to waste my Like, in a sense, you're sort of, like, hedging your bets, right? Yeah, so for me, it's, like, now I, like, pretty much will only have sex with someone that I have um, that has a uh, proven track record of success. And how do you? How does one determine? If, uh, are there websites for this or what? <laughs> no, I just mean like someone that has succeeded with me personally in the past. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's just like it's the tried and true. It's like people who now like it's like people who eventually only eat in like the same restaurants. You know, they get to a certain point. And, you know, throughout their whole life, they tried different restaurants and they're like, okay, yeah, that was all right, that was all right. But then they find those two and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to stick with those. Yeah, that's me. Like, that's me, except for it's not a restaurant, it's a turkey sandwich from the... I've heard that coming off of these meds are really, it's like super, super dangerous. So did it get super bad or what? Well, so the first like couple of days, the first day was awful. I felt really like just like confused about nothing. Like I wasn't totally sure what was going on. Um, and I, because my shrink sucked, I asked him like, you know, are there side effects I need to look out for? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, I know you're lying, but that's if you don't want to be helpful. So, uh, in order to not like psych myself out too much, I texted my friend Amy and I was like, Hey, can you look up the side effects of coming off these meds and tell me if what I'm feeling is normal? Cause I didn't want to like read all these side effects and just like start experiencing them in like a placebo effect kind of way. Um, she said I was fine. And like, I had a lot of trouble focusing for like three weeks. And finally I like felt prepared enough to look at the list of potential side effects. And it was like, Oh, it was like psychosis, suicidal ideation, diarrhea. And I was like, (laughs) dear Lord, like, I'm so glad I'm getting this stuff out of my system. Like, shout out, like, there are times in my life where I would not have been able to make it through if it weren't for the intervention of behavioral medication, but I'm feeling very good and happy to be off them now. Well, now, what do you, what is, what made you decide to make the change? So, Abilify, one of the meds that I was on, if you miss it, like, if you, I was always really good about taking it every day at the same time, but, um, there was one time where I ran out and I couldn't get it refilled. I didn't have it for two days and I just threw up everything I ate all day. And um, the feeling of like being physically dependent on something was really unappealing and like felt bad to me. Um, And I hadn't, I feel like I'm kind of in a stable place in my life where there's not a lot of like external stress triggers. So I kind of just felt like, 
I was prepared to uh, try it out without any medical assistance and pulled the trigger and did it. So what do you do? Do you just have a clean diet now? Do you exercise? What, what have you, have you replaced it with anything or did, are you just? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like I walk a lot. I like to go on walks, but as far as a clean diet, I mean, reference the aforementioned one turkey sandwich from the bodega every, literally every day, sometimes two. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't, uh, I take a bath every day. Mm. Another thing I noticed coming off the meds is that I became very sensitive to different um, substances. Like the first, I tried to drink like an iced Americano while I was coming off the meds like I, I would normally and I felt like I was on MDMA. Like I was like sweating and jittery and I was like, okay, can't do that again. So I'm like much more sensitive to like alcohol or weed or whatever uh, since going off the meds which is interesting. Yeah, that has changed my intakes. Your intakes? Yeah, no, totally. Like the the coffee thing is weird and I've always felt that coffee was weirder than people gave it credit for cuz like I I can't drink it cuz it hurts my belly. But when I do drink it, it's weird to me that people just walk around drinking like 20 ounces of this shit at a time. It's like this shit is bonkers. Yeah, it really is. Like I can do like a Earl Grey I can fuck with that, but, like, I don't know how people have more than one cup of coffee a day at all. I also just, like, I used to be, like, I used to, like, kind of do drugs a lot and um, be more of a party person. And I guess part of that is just getting older, but, like, I have become especially anti-cocaine recently. I've been very big proponent of people not doing cocaine. And, uh... The fact that alcohol can be advertised the way that it is kind of disgusts me also. Mm-hmm. So do you do you drink at all or is it more just, are you kind of just a weed person now or what? Um, I definitely smoke weed more than I drink. I'll drink every once in a while, mostly just because like the bar across the street is like a really nice place and I like to go there. So uh-huh. I like go get my bodega sandwich and have a drink at the bar and talk to the bartender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't really like drinking, uh, and, like, it it wears me out. I just I feel like alcohol is a drug, and so many people have a problem with it, and then, like, there's this bar near my work, and you walk past it, and the chalkboard sign always says something like, it's not day drinking if it's brunch. Get fucked up. Like, you oh, know, geez. and I'm just like, I'm not, like, I don't mean to draw too, too much of a comparison, but, like, if that was heroin being advertised that way it would be deeply troubling you know and like mm-hmm. i saw on a podcast recently somebody said something that really clicked with me and they were like if alcohol was introduced today like there's no way it would be legal yeah and so many people make it like such a big part of their personalities like if you look on tinder like every third person is like i love bourbon or like I don't know. I don't know. I just like, I don't like the way it makes me feel. I am kind of a control freak, so I don't want to forget what I did. Like, Mm -hmm. I just, it's not super appealing to me. There's like, the only drugs I really fuck with anymore are like hallucinogens very rarely and ecstasy very rarely. And both of those, like, I don't forget what I did and they don't have calories. (laughs) Yeah. 
I like uh, taking mushrooms and going to the gym. That's my new shit. Psycho. <laughs> so I'll like I'll take them in the morning. Well, not every day, obviously, uh, like a week or so. But like I I have a subscription to Planet Fitness because it's right down the street. And so I don't know if you've ever yeah. been in a Planet Fitness, but everything is purple, and yep. it can be like super just beautiful and psychedelic like all the purples and normally i'm there like with the old ladies especially if it's leg day because bros don't really do legs so like today i was you know i was doing my you know my squats and my you know like i was on like the butt machine and stuff and i'm just surrounded by like these these older women who are just like really giving it 110 percent there's my favorite gym person i call her screaming granny and she just like literally does like she does all like the badass workouts. So she's kind of jacked, but she'll just be like, Whoa! and I'm like, "Woo! Sound the lunk alarm!" Is it, yeah, I was about to say, Planet Fitness. You're not supposed to do stuff like that, dude. The grannies are so far. Does your Planet Fitness have the like fans that have like 20 foot long blades on it? Hell yeah, those things are so. That's good feng shui, is what that is. Yeah, I feel like that would freak me out if I was on shrooms. I'd be like, it's gonna fall down and chop my head off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never had that. Like I've, I've, I. There was one time um, when I was at a rave, when I was uh, probably in my early twenties, and we bought uh, ecstasy off of this dude, and it was just like bad. Like, there was something bad about it. Um, we all got sick at the exact same time. Like, we all started just, like, tripping balls, freaking out. I was, tr like, trying to hide, but when you're at an open-air rave in Rockville, Texas, there's kind of nowhere to go. <laughs> uh -huh. So, I remember I was hiding for a really long time by this just, like, strobing pink light, <laughs> and that was the nicest thing that I could find. But so eventually, I got, like, super, super freaked out, and I ended up going to the medical tent, you know, and, you know, the guy sat me down and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, no, I don't think so. And, you know, <laughs> he was like, hey, well, what happened? He's like, does it, and I remember him go like rubbing my arm and being like, does that feel weird when I do that? And I was like, yeah, don't, don't fucking touch me. <laughs> well, my it, feels weird. it feels weird when you say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my friends found me, and my friends are like, you know, they're all bros or whatever. And so I never heard the end of, like, David went to the bitch tent. Oh, you went to the bitch tent. And so... <laughs> and so basically... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I would just love to hang out at a medical tent at a festival for a day. That would... You know what? That would be a good way to get some, like, good writing going. You'd get some stories. Absolutely. So after that... David in the bitch tent stuck in my head and this is one case where I guess shaming really worked because I've never freaked out on anything since like if I ever feel like I'm like it's a little weird I'm just, I just I hear a little voice of like don't go to the bitch tent <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but I highly recommend the shrooms in the gym it's a good time it's a good workout too I mean you know you kind of really focus and uh, pain stops hurt. It, pain becomes like just a different like feeling that you're like, whoa, this is interesting. This is really painful instead of like, oh, it sucks. Yeah. I can't remember how we got off on that subject. Oh yeah, yeah. So what is what's your beef with cocaine? Oh man, yeah. I love. Give me a little grandstand. Uh. Go off. I just like. I just like. First and foremost, my my distaste for cocaine began 
when I was around people who really liked it because I never found it that much fun. Mm -hmm. I've never done coke and been like, damn, I need more of that, which I, I should feel lucky, I guess. But um, it 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 makes everyone think that what they are saying is the most important thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And it very rarely is. So mostly I just don't like being around people who are doing a lot of it. I remember being at a party in like the back room where everyone was doing coke and this super annoying girl came in and she was like, does anyone have blah? <laughs> and I was like, mm, no, sorry, like we don't have any. And she like went on a table, it was like a black coffee table, and she like scraped up all the residue off the table and snorted it. And I was like, girl, most of that was cigarette ash. That is gross. Um, so yeah, I just don't like being around people who are on coke. But also... And I have said this to people at parties when they offer me cocaine, which is such a buzzkill, but the majority of people doing cocaine are, like, white kids, and, like, the cocaine trade kills a bunch of brown people all the time. So it's just, like, I just, for me, it's not fun enough to to do the, the like, compromising my morals thing. Like, I'm sure, you know... I'm sure that doing ecstasy is not necessarily very good for people either, but I'm not doing it that often, and I don't feel as bad. Well, it's, it's also well, it's also like it's also like the kind of ten percent rule, you know. And I mean, and that's why that's that's what gets so frustrating when you try to critique anything. Like if you critique capitalism or something, and people are like, "Well, you have an iPhone," and I'm like, "Yeah, sorry." It's, it's it's one of those things where it's you can only really kind of focus on on so much but yeah no i get what you mean uh cocaine to me was never really that much fun uh but I, i'm trying to think if i've done it recently i haven't done it recently but it's one of those things where if i'm like super super drunk and it's there yeah that's always that's like every scenario that every single time that i've done it it's always been booze first like i've literally never paid Okay. I've never been like, let's buy some. It's just like some dude has it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I have talked about this enough recently. And I even, I, like, made a t-shirt that has Britney Spears on it and says doing cocaine is immoral. And I was at a party, I was at a party recently. And these girls were like, let's, let's go to the bathroom. And then one of them turned to me and was like, oh, Rachel hates cocaine. And I was like, nice. You're not even going to offer it to me. <laughs> And then after the party, the, it was some of my friends, and, like, all three of them came back to my house to hang out. And, like, you know, when you're at a party and you want to do blow, you go to the bathroom because you don't want anyone to try and take your Coke. But, like, they all come to my house, and it's just us, and they all go in the bathroom together. And I was like, guys, there's no one here. If you want to do Coke, I have a kitchen table, like, <laughs> right. you don't have to stand in my tiny bathroom. That's so interesting that it's like a ritual, yeah, that like you have to be in a bed. What if you were wanted to do cocaine in the middle of the desert? What would you do? You'd be like, yeah. you'd have to make like a little mud porta potty or something and we must do cocaine near the shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, and also I've just always had bad sinuses, so it's like I don't want to put anything up my nose. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 nose part has been weird. I mean, and that's I think also any drug that I've been scared off of has been because of needles. I just can't, I can't do needles. I don't even really like to smoke stuff. Yeah, I mean, the point where I'm at, honestly, right now is I just, I have 
I have my drawer full of shrooms, and that's just my favorite thing. Because it comes from the earth, you know? Yep. <laughs> nobody yeah, should... nobody gets hurt. Nobody gets hurt. And it's all. It's also, it's a really good, uh, I was, uh, what, what happened last? Oh, a few weeks ago, I watched a documentary on Joan Didion, and there's a part in there where her her husband dies and then her, her daughter dies. They're interviewing her and she's, you know, she's getting up there. I think she's in her 80s. And the whole interview, she's just extremely stoic. You know, she's like, she's a badass. She's a journalist. She's never taken shit from anybody. So she has this very kind of cold exterior. And when they're talking about that, uh, she cracks like just a little bit. You know what I mean? Not, it's not, you know, she, she, you can almost not, well, I was tripping balls, so I could see it. I could see all the emotions. <laughs> when she, when she did that, like when that happened, I was just like, <laughs> you know, I just like started bawling, but it feels really, really good to have a, um, to have a cry that's not about poor me, if that makes any sense. Yeah how sad it is to just be alive sometimes you know what i mean but not me just yeah, yeah, life yeah. you know um Man, so- i i kept uh in 27 i don't know if you saw this but in 2017 i decided every year at the beginning of the year i decided i'm gonna do some statistics for that year and like uh 2017 i kept a list of every reason i cried and every person i kissed and i posted the cry list on facebook a couple weeks ago and that was uh embarrassing and cathartic yeah can I, you know what actually like that we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to but i was noticing hold on one second kalua sweet baby dog sweet pr- sweet pretty darling baby thank you thank you for protecting the home okay i think she might be done um so, so uh like I just noticed, like I was on Facebook and I, I see your posts a lot, uh, and it always seems people want to like go in your comments and say weird shit. Not like talking shit. Yeah, and I'm like trying to think of like a recent example. Oh yeah, yesterday. Wait, what did I? Po- okay, so yeah, like I posted, I sent my mom a stupid meme that I made for uh, the Live with Flip account. And she responded, you are so talented, seriously. And I thought that was really cute and funny. So I, like, posted screenshot on Facebook. And then somebody commented some shit I didn't understand. And I was like, what? And then they elaborated. And I was like, I still don't get it. And then they said it again. And I was like, I, it was just, like, not worth sharing what they said. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I think maybe my history of being very vulnerable and honest emotionally online has led some people to believe that I can help them or I will understand or I'll have good advice. And that's not always the case. (laughs) Yeah. I think that that was maybe my, my mistake too. When I was on Facebook, there was another thing recently where this guy, I can't remember what my status was about or what he said, but it's this, guy that I went to high school with who got like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, um, today I'm fired up about the fact that 
it costs money to communicate with inmates because like I became aware of the fact that you have to pay to do video visits or phone calls with people who are incarcerated and I thought that was really stupid um, and I posted about it and this guy was like how about you get mad about how many people are locked up and I said well obviously I'm if I'm upset about prison living conditions I'm upset about the number of people who are subjected to them he was like I don't know sounds like sounds like you're talking about a personal thing and you don't care and I was like man you were like what and I, I it was funny because I kind of stopped engaging but then like this warrior of people who fuck with me this like army of people who fuck with me like started like tearing him apart like someone was like you're being a prick and I'll, it's like all these people who I know from totally different parts of my life like going in on the guy I sat next to at high school graduation yeah. and I remembered I remembered that he had done this previously where he just tried to be really contrarian on one of my Facebook posts and I wasn't in as good of a mood that day when he did it before and I think I commented something like didn't you pierce your own dick in high school shut the fuck up like <laughs> <laughs> And I couldn't believe that after I had done that, he would try and come at me again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there are people who are just like that. There was one guy on mine who, um, I'm trying to remember what exactly the status was, but oh yeah, I made a I made a joke where I was like, uh, sometimes I get mad about politicians but then i remember that they're all the same and that they're dipping virgins in gold and sacrificing babies or whatever and this person commented like actually it does matter who's in the presidency that's what it was it doesn't matter who's president because they're all evil right so like, actually it does matter who's the president and i was like dude i'm joking he's like really you're joking because it seems like you really think that it doesn't matter who the president is Life's too short, so I blocked his ass. Boom. And I was done. My block list is like 200 people alone. Like, I have no tolerance. Yeah. Life is too short. I mean, it's just at a certain point, because you, you think, like, like, and it's also whenever you, you know, when you take breaks from social media, you come down like some kind of bodhisattva or something. Like, I'm going to love all humans, and I'm going to be very patient with everyone, and I'm going to just... Whenever someone is mean to me, I'm going to just love them, and it'll it'll change them in some way. And then that lasts yeah. about like two days. <laughs> Actually, like I have um, so on, uh, you don't know this because you're married, but on Tinder, you can pay like ten dollars a month, and you get Tinder Gold, which is comes with many features. Um, but one of them is that you can see who has liked you before you like them. So I can just, like, instead of wasting my time looking at everyone, I can be like, oh, this person already likes me. I can just go ahead and talk to them. And I set, I got kind of fed up with men not being able to make me have orgasms, and I set Tinder to women only. And this, this girl who has actively disliked me, who I met on Facebook, she's, like, hated me since, like, 2014, uh, showed up as having swiped right, having liked me on Tinder. And I had seen her... Uh, at a party like the week before and like thought about saying something but I was really high and I just decided against it but like you know we've had me forever and I've recently when I think about her wanted to like sort of fantasized about having some kind of mediated conversation with her and like working through our differences um and so I just was like fuck it like I'm gonna swipe right and I'm gonna try to like bridge the gap like I'm gonna take this step <laughs> through tinder 
and I messaged her, and I was like, yo, like, I know we're never going to have any kind of, like, relationship. I don't know why you swiped right on me. Maybe you thought it was funny, but uh, I just wanted to say, like, I, I don't have any bad blood, and I understand why we've had our disagreement. And, you know, I was just, was, like, extending an olive branch. Um, and it kind of circles back to, like, what we were just talking about because we talked about a couple things. Like, these people had, like, kind of uh, tried to attack her on social media recently in a really weird, twisted way, and... Um, I was like, yeah, damn, like, I guess that period in 2013 where we were all being super open on the internet wasn't as great as we thought it was. And she yeah. was like, yes. She was like, yeah, I really regret that time period where I felt, like, empowered by letting people know what all my weaknesses are. <laughs> to no, and, and that's that's so... I think that that's, that's wise in a way because there is value in oversharing I guess but there's also you really are putting yourself out there and I think I don't know how to put this I feel like even people who do it well um at some base level they've like opened themselves up I don't know how to put this exactly because I also think that like being open and honest on the internet is really cool but I guess maybe like emotionally like you can't let them see you crack almost you know what i mean yeah, yeah um there's like an there's inherent danger tied to it mm -hmm. so i think that i think that that's why i feel like books are so cool and i'm sort of starting to see people move at least in my group uh of like friends and and close people sort of move away from social media just a little bit because i'm hoping we can get to the point where um she just anytime there's she's just a fucking she's an alarm system I guess, but you know there there's a I think a period of time where like people mistook uh, social media for real life, and they try to like be who they really are like they are in real life, and I think that if like I'm starting to see it more and more like Twitter especially like Facebook to me is is just not worth it anymore, um, but Twitter seems more like a tool. Is that is any of that resonating with with with, with you? I, yeah, I feel like just thinking even about it from like a social media marketing perspective, I sat down the other day and was like, what social network do I belong in? Like the majority of Instagram users are like fucking 14. The majority of Facebook users are like 62. Like Twitter, it's just, I just naturally should be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of how it worked for me too. And I kind of, I've never, I've used Twitter for a really long time, but I've never become... I got, I would say, addicted to Facebook, which is something that I think a lot of people, we're going to start seeing more and more. Uh, like, I was sounding this alarm bell, like, two or three years ago, like, hey, guys, I think we might be addicted to this thing. And people responded with, like, typical addict behavior, which was, I don't know, maybe you're addicted, but I'm definitely not addicted. And it's like, now it's kind of, like, coming out that Facebook really, like, designed itself so that you would become addicted to it. So... So yeah, so I think Twitter is just, I've never gotten, I've never, like right now I'm not like reaching for my phone to see like what's on Twitter, so yeah. I just like, I don't know, I I definitely use social media in a way that's much different than I used to, and I'm much more to post, but uh, doing it for work, it's like, I spend a lot less time on my own shit, because I'm like, 
more focused on doing what's getting you the paycheck. <laughs> well, that's so that's, cool. I'm really, I'm really glad that you have a cool job in New York. I hope that you write more because you're one of my favorite writers. So I'll be looking forward to whatever you come out with. Um, thank you. And yeah, thank you so much for your time. I mean, that, that was an hour. I don't want to keep you for too long. And my dog is barking a lot. So I'm sorry about that. Um, it's a pleasure to talk to you. But yeah, come back anytime. We'll do this again in a year. We'll see where we're at then. You'll be, you know, the head of social media, at, you know, for all, all apartments in all of New York. CMO, baby. All right. <laughs> all right, cool. Later.